Great morning already, amen? amen. We'll turn to the, the Word of God now. We're going uh, to be in 1 Timothy, really just one verse. 1 Timothy chapter 1, if you'll turn there. Uh, I'm going to read a few other scriptures to you, and then we'll, we'll launch into this message this morning. The topic of our, our, our message this morning is this, the true meaning of Christmas. The true meaning of Christmas. So let's, uh, let's begin with Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. I want to read this to you. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign... Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. We go fast forward to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will, will save his people from their sins. We go to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, now, the sixth month, the, it, it, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and, he, and, and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And to his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that, one, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Let's, let's just pray and ask God's blessing now as we look to His Word. Father... Uh, this morning, I, I pray that this message will be an encouragement. There are some sitting here this morning that are uh, excited about Christmas. This is a great time of year. Uh, there's others, Lord, this is a difficult time. It's a painful time, a stressful time, a, uh, a, a lonely time. And I pray the message this morning will be an encouragement to everyone here. As we look at the true meaning of Christmas, may it, Lord, may, it, we, just, may we reset our, our, our compasses uh, when we look to true north, may we, Father, focus on that which is most important. And we may we not be distracted by the things in this world around us and what Christmas has become. So, Lord, I just pray that you'll bless and move and work and, and, and use me as just an instrument in your hand this morning. And we'll praise you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, there's a lot of, I mean, if you like Christmas music, you like the Christmas music, right? Some of you, you like the Christmas music, do you? Yeah. All right. So there's a, there's a song and there's a lot of different songs are very festive, but there's one that says it's the most wonderful time of the year with the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Now, some believe that and some sing that, but not everybody feels that. OK, 
okay? And that's kind of where we're going to be this morning. Christmas is presented as this joyous time, uh, but that's not the reality for many people. Christmas means many different things to many different people in America and around the world. To some people, Christmas means giving and receiving gifts, family get-togethers, Christmas movies, kids, presents, lights, decorating trees, and laughter. To, to others, Christmas is Santa and reindeer and elves and mistletoe and candy canes, hustle and bustle and last-minute shopping. If you're a mother with little children, can I get an Amen. Any mothers with little children out there? We got a few. All right, you're going to relate to this. So this is a, a busy mom's version of the 12 days of Christmas. And this describes maybe your, your Christmas experience. On the 12th day of Christmas, my little ones gave to me 12 dogs a-leaping, 11 cats a-creeping, 10 fingers gripping, 9 toes a-tripping, 8 drinks a-spilling, 7 diapers filling, 6 friends and things, 5... Telephone rings, four crayoned walls, three loud falls, two kisses free, and one mother up a pear tree. <laughs> Amen? I mean, if you got little kids, I understand. We were there. Well, Gina was there one time. She stayed home with them. I left and left her with it. Um, Sadly, for many people, Christmas is not all joy and peace on earth. You know, that's what, we, that's what we desire it to be. We want this to be just truly a happy time of year, a joyous time of year. The kids get so frustrated with me. They ask every year, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? Jesse, what do I say? That's what I want for Christmas. And since I didn't get it last year, I want it this year. So I just keep on with that. Um, it, but here's what Christmas is for most people. It's stress, 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 and disappointment, heartache, pain, and loneliness. That's for a lot of people, that's what this time of year is. Can Christmas really be joyous, happy, stress-free time that we're promised? And let me tell you this, it can be. Yes, it can be. And, and you would ask, but how? By getting back to the real meaning of Christmas. Um, what is Christmas all about from a scriptural standpoint? That's what we want to look at this morning because that's all that matters. See, Christmas is another one of those things that, look, we've allowed, we've allowed commerce to, to hijack Christmas and turn it into just another money-making scheme. They've exploited the joys of Christmas and it's become all about what you give. What do you, what, you know, if you really love them, that's the TV commercials, right? If you really love them, every kiss begins with K. You know, if you really love them, you go, you go spend a bunch of money. You go buy them a new car. They put the cars with the ribbons on top. But if you, you know, if you don't love them, then, you know, don't worry. You know, if you don't really love them, don't worry about it. And so it's become all about the commercial. That's what this world pushes on us. And we have to be careful as believers that we don't get roped into that and get tied into that, that that becomes the focus and the emphasis we're talking about this Wednesday night. Miss Trish started it, and I've seen it on Facebook. Several others have, have posted it, but I, I thought, man, Trish is going deep here. Turns out you, that wasn't original. You didn't write that. Okay. But it started out with, I was riding down the road today, and I was thinking about what else could I get my kids for Christmas? And then I thought, what else? You know, like, like what I have isn't enough. And, and it goes on to talk about how the emphasis of, Christ, of Christmas becomes on the wrong thing. And, and, it, and it goes on to talk about the, the important things, the memories, family memories, time together, all of those kind of things. But it's really the ultimate thing about Christmas is Christ, right? And so that's, that's what we want to look at. So what is, what is the biblical theme of Christmas? 
What is Christmas about from a biblical standpoint? What does the Bible tell us about this? Christmas can be wrapped up in the Apostle Paul's statement in our text this morning. It's 1 Timothy 1.15. It says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. That, in a nutshell, that is the theme of Christmas. And if we go back to that... Man, I'm going to tell you what, the next two weeks can be full of joy and can be full of peace. And then all the other things can be icing on the cake. But if we put all the other things first and we forget these things here, what the scriptures tell us, what the real meaning of Christmas is, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be let down. We're going to be stressed out. We're, we're, we're going to have anxiety. We're going to have, we're going to have discontentment. We're going to have all of those things if we don't focus on the most important things. So that's what we want to look at this morning. So from that verse, we want to look at three things that this verse tells us about the true meaning of Christmas. Number one is this. Christmas is about a person. And that person isn't you. Amen? And it's not your spouse. Amen? Some of you are going, oh, it's not? All right. It, it's not about your spouse. And it, it, this one's really going to get some of you. It ain't about your kids. Oh, oh, but if I don't do this for them, if I don't, they don't get that. And I don't, you know, if we don't do all of these things, they'll be scarred for life. I promise you they won't. I promise you they won't. So Christmas is about a person, but it's not about your spouse, not about you or your spouse, your kids or anybody else. Uh, Paul said Christ Jesus came. Christ Jesus came. Christmas is not about Santa and Buddy the Elf or the Grinch. It's about Jesus Christ. That's why we call it Christmas. Christ Mass. It's about Christ. Who is this person that Christmas is all about? He's undoubtedly the most unique person in all of, of history. Amen? There's no one that would even compare. Everything about him is unique. What he was, what he taught, what he did. Someone wrote the following about him. It says, his birth was contrary to the laws of life. Amen? His death was contrary to the laws of death. His resurrection was contrary to the laws of science. He had no wheat fields or fisheries, but he could spread a table for 5,000 and have bread and fish to spare. He walked on no beautiful carpets or velvet rugs, but he walked on the waters of the Sea of Galilee and they supported him. Three years he preached his gospel. He wrote no books, built no churches, had no monetary backing, but after 2,000 years he is the one central character of human history, the pivot around which the events of the ages revolve, and the only redeemer of the human race. Was it merely the son of Joseph and Mary who crossed the world's horizon 2,000 years ago? Was it merely human blood that was spilled at Calvary's hill for the redemption of sinners? What thinking man can keep from exclaiming, 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 my Lord and my God? Amen? Christmas is about a person, and it is the person of Jesus Christ. Number two, Christmas is about a pilgrimage. It's about a pilgrimage. The verse says, Jesus Christ came into the world. This is one of the most remarkable truths in all of the Bible. It's what theologians call the doctrine of of, of the incarnation. The truth that God became man, that he became one of us, that he became the God-man here on earth. Jesus Christ was a man. He was not just a spirit that walked around and allowed us to see him and view him, but he was a spirit. Jesus Christ was a man, 100% 
human, born of a woman. But while he was 100% human, he was also 100% God. Now understand this. I've heard folks say this. Well, he was half man, half God. No, he is the God man, but he's not half anything. He is 100% man and he is 100% God. It's kind of the same concept of marriage. We go, well, marriage, you know, marriage ought to be 50-50. Well, you're going to have problems. Because ain't no marriage 50-50. It's 100-100. It's all in. The two become one. And the two became one. God became man and he's still God. And yet he's man. Matthew one twenty two says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Isn't that a beautiful name? Emmanuel. It is a, it's just a beautiful name. It's, it's one, I think it's one of my favorite things to hear this time of year because we talk about Emmanuel. That's what Christmas is all about is God with us. But I love that name. It's just a beautiful name. He was Emmanuel. He was God incarnate, God in human flesh. I read someone wrote God in a human suit. He was. He was... He was Man in flesh. And, in, and Emmanuel means that God with us. Not only God over us, the sovereign Lord, which he certainly is, amen, but not only God for us as gracious friend, though he's shown us that again and again and again, he's shown us that, that he's our gracious friend. He is for us, he is over us, but he most importantly is that he is with us. God with us. This is the truth that God came into the world to live with us, to experience what we experience. He wasn't, he, he, he understood cold and hunger. He understood sleepless nights. He understood sickness. He understood those things because he was man. People ask sometimes the most ludicrous questions, almost being crass, almost being sacrilegious about, about the Lord. And, and, and it's trying to make a shock point. He was a man. He lived just like us. He had the same, the same temptations were brought on him, the same struggles. He had those in life, but he was all man and all God. He came to experience what we experience, to suffer the sufferings and trials of life just like we do, and ultimately to die as we die. But why would God condescend to do all of that? Why did he come? And that leads us to our final point. Yes, Jesus, uh, yes, Christmas is about a person, and it's about the person, a person's pilgrimage to earth. But number three, Christmas is also about a purpose. It's all about a purpose. What was the purpose of Christ coming? If you discover the answer to that question, you get to the true meaning of Christmas. Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, came into the world to save sinners. It's in a nutshell, right there, it is shared. Jesus said in Luke 19, 11, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Amen? Amen. In Matthew 20, 28, Jesus said, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to what? To give His life, a ransom for many. So where, where, there you have it. You've got the theme of the Bible. We've got the theology of Christmas. We've got the purpose of Christ coming. And it is that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. That is what Christmas is all about. We should never think of the cradle without thinking of the cross. The two are inseparable. We have this new decoration this year. 
We, we saw a picture of that and thought, boy, wouldn't that be beautiful if we could put that together? And I thank Dennis Dunn for building that for us. But you have there the, the cross and the cradle. The two are inseparable. Folks, if we don't have the cross, we don't remember the cradle. If we, don't have, if we don't have an empty tomb, we don't have a resurrected Christ after his death on the cross for our, in, in our stead, in our place, we don't remember the cradle today. It doesn't mean a thing to us today. You know, it's interesting that the Lord never said, remember my birthday. Throw a party every year. Make it big. Make it big. It should be the biggest thing on earth. It should be the commercial event of the year. I mean, it should be all about that. No, he never, he never even told us to do that. He told us to remember his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what he told us. But folks, you can't think about the cradle without thinking about the cross. And so as we think about the, the, the Savior who came, who, who God in flesh, who came, as we think about that Savior, that baby that grew up to be a man who went and died on a cross for us, the two are inseparable. The theme at Christmas came, that, that, uh, I'm sorry, the theme that Christ came into the world to save sinners is the key concept of Christianity. It's the imminent goal of the triune Almighty God. It is the central subject of all of Scripture. It is the theme of all theology. The great Bible scholar Merrill Unger says this. He said, the Bible is one book, one history, one story, his story. You can go down into the minutest detail everywhere in the Bible and see that there is one great purpose moving through the ages. The eternal design of the Almighty God to redeem a wrecked and ruined world. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Glory. Hallelujah. If not for that, we are lost in our sins. If it's not that the Lord loves us and the whole story of Scripture speaks of what He has done. We observe this theme again and again in the Old Testament. Haley's Bible uh, workbook says it, uh, says it can be seen in the unceasing sacrifice of animals and the never-ending glow of the fire altars designed by God to burn into the consciousness of mankind the sense of his deep sinfulness and to be an age-long picture of the coming sacrifice of Christ toward whom they pointed and in whom they were fulfilled. And we see that in the Old Testament. The theme was seen in many Old Testament prophecies, too many of them for us even to begin to, to name here. It was proclaimed repeatedly in the New Testament as well. The very name of Jesus heralded his mission. Jesus is the Greek, not translation, but transliteration. We've learned about that word, right? Translating is uh, agua, means water. We translate that to water. But if we, if we transliterate it, we just, it's diakonos. We just changed the letters from Greek letters to, to English letters. We, we put it in, in English spelling and pronounce it that way. So diakonos becomes deacon. Okay, so we transliterate it. Jesus is just the Greek transliteration of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means Savior. Jesus, he's Savior. Even his name is Savior. This purpose was announced to Joseph by the angel who said, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for, we will, for he will save his people from their sins. Matthew 1.21 This theme was announced to the shepherds in Luke 2.11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. A what? A Savior. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. There are many more references I could quote to you, but I think you get the, the point of this now. You get the picture here, which is simply this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's the whole purpose of why he came. 
Jesus didn't come primarily to be an example. I hear people say that, that Jesus lived and he showed us how to live our life. Well, he did, but that wasn't the primary reason that he came. Because if that's why he came, here's the problem with that. He showed us how to live. We can't do it. So we can never measure up to that. That's not primarily why he came, just to be an example for us. And he was certainly the greatest example in all of history that we could, we could look to and follow. He didn't come primarily to show us how to live, though no one ever lived like he did. But we can't live like he does. We're not God. We're not sinless. So we could not measure up if that's why he came, just to show us, well, I mean, that's worse than the law. You're going to try to measure up and be like Jesus? Well, that's our goal, that's our aspiration, but it is there's no way we'll be this side of glory like Jesus when we die and we get our glorified body and sin is gone, we'll be like him. But not that this side of it. Nor did he come primarily to teach us lofty moral principles about God and spiritual things, though no one ever preached and taught like he did. He did teach lofty things. He taught great things. But that's not primarily why he came. No, the Bible clearly states without question, without question why he came. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Amen? Now that's the true meaning of Christmas. Almighty God coming to earth in the flesh of man to save sinners. And who are the sinners that he came to save? Well, that's everyone uh, in this room and everyone in the world. The fact is, Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Isaiah 64.6, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. See, that's what we like to think. We're, we're spiritual. We're, we're holy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. I do, I do a lot of righteous things. You know what? The Bible says our righteousnesses, all of them, whatever they may be, they're nothing more than a filthy rag in God's sight, what we try to do. So we're all sinners. In fact, Romans 3.23, very, very explicitly, the Holy Spirit tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us fall short of that. We fall, fall short of his perfection. And since there can be no sin in heaven, none of us have a shot at getting there. The truth of the matter is that every person in this room needs a Savior because every person in this room is a sinner. Amen? Amen. And if you're sitting there going, ah, preacher, I'm not. I'm, I don't think I'm that bad a person. You're who I'm talking to this morning. And I've heard people say that. Um, some people think that they can get there their own way. They can get there with good works. In fact, I was reading an article or reading something in the last week, week and a half, and there's this, this actress who I, I, probably many of you well, younger folks wouldn't know them, I don't think, but many my age and, and I'll, may know who this person is. But anyway, an actor in Hollywood, and she has cancer, and, and there's, you know, there's talk about her dying if she dies. Here's what she said. She says, I'm not scared of dying. I might be scared of dying if I wasn't a good person. But I am a good person. Now, folks, that's sad. Because that's a deception that will lead them right to death's door and beyond and go into eternity lost. Because thinking, I'm a good person, and because I'm a good person, well, what are you measuring that by? The fact is, none are good. No, not one. You know, I joke, I joke about that. I had a friend that he used to say, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. He said, none are good. No, not one. I've shared that with you all. You may have noticed here lately, I don't say good anymore. I'm trying to very consciously say, I'm doing well, doing well. That pops in my head every time that comes up. Uh, but many people think that they don't need a Savior. Their attitude is this, thank you very much, I'll just get there in my own way. 
Well, you, you, you can think you're going to get there your own way, but you're going to get somewhere, but it won't be where you think you're going. Okay? What could be more insulting to God who sent his son to die on the cross for us than, than for us to act like we can do it on our own? Friends, if, if you could get to God and go to heaven by your own good deeds, why did Jesus have to come? Jesus came to die on the cross to bear the sins of sinners. You and I are sinners whom God loves so much that he sent his son to take our place on that cross, to take our punishment and for whom Jesus willingly gave his life. Have you thought about that? You know, these are great times to meditate on what Jesus did. He took, you know, we, we think he died for the world. All right, I don't, that, that's not personal for me. I want to know he died for me. And he died for me. And the fact is, I should have been nailed to that cross. In fact, if you, you, you could almost think through it in your mind that, that I could have been on that cross. I could have been one laying there, and as the Lord comes up, He takes my hand and He lifts me away from the cross. And He willingly gave Himself and He took my place and was nailed to that cross, and He, and he died in our place, in my place, in your place. You and I are sinners who God loves so much that he did that for us. Jesus willingly gave his life. God loved us so much he sent the Lord, Jesus. Jesus loved you so much that he willingly gave his life to die for you. God in his love provided a way by which we can have eternal life, forgiveness of sin, acceptance from God, and a relationship with God. And Jesus put it this way when he was talking to Nicodemus, the Pharisee, in John chapter 3. And you all know this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him. It's, it's not to have a head knowledge of I, I believe he existed. It, that believe there is faith. It's whoever puts their faith into Christ. Whoever believes in him, puts their faith in, in, in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Did you notice those words, for God so loved the world? Well, how about put your name there? For God so loved Raymond. For God so loved Brent. So God so loved Lynn. For God so loved Gina. For God so loved Chris. For God so loved the world. That's us. That he, that he gave. He gave. He gave his only begotten son. What an extravagant love. Amen? Amen. What an extravagant love. And, 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 he, and to give such an indescribable, as the scriptures say, an indescribable gift. It's what Jesus was. He was a gift that's indescribable. And what a, heart, a heartache to God that so many people reject his son and refuse his free gift of salvation. How, how, you know, I've, I've read a lot of illustrations, a lot of different stories this week as I was preparing this. But you, know, you just think about it. Maybe you've given a gift sometime. If you've ever given a gift and it was kind of rejected... Or it just, you know, you put a lot of thought, you put a lot of work or a lot of money or something, and it just didn't seem to be appreciated. That's kind of, it kind of stings a little bit, doesn't it? Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? You've done that? Now imagine God Almighty who, who did the ultimate in giving the greatest gift that could be given to offer us, the, 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 to fill the greatest need that anyone could ever have for eternal life. And he's done all of that for us. It's there. It's available. It's free. And folks just thumb their nose at God. They totally ignore what he's offered. Are we neglecting that most amazing gift? 
Amidst the glittering ornaments and flashing lights, the hustle and bustle of shopping and wrapping and family get-togethers and parties and presents and trees and turkeys and hams and cranberry sauce and all those things, are we neglecting the Lord? Are we giving God the glory and worship and attention and adoration that He deserves for the gift that He's given us? What gets more attention from us? Our Father's gift of life in Jesus Christ or the quickly wrapped Amazon delivered <laughs> gifts? We don't, even, we don't even go to the mall anymore. I haven't been to mall in years. I remember when Amazon, they started talking about Amazon and home delivery and all that, and I thought, that'll never. I also thought bottled water would never float. Uh, you know, <laughs> who's going to pay for water in a bottle? You can get it anywhere. Uh, don't follow my investment advice. I'll just say that, okay? Um, yeah, we don't, we don't even put half the work in that we used to have to put in to go get Christmas gifts. But where's our emphasis? Where's our attention? Where's our focus? Is it on the trappings? Is it on the, is it on the, the extracurriculars of Christmas? Or is it on the Christ of Christmas? Folks, if you want to have a great Christmas... You want to have a wonderful next two weeks? You put Christ front and center and foremost in everything you do over these next two weeks. Really, it ought to be every day of our life. But if we do that over the next two weeks, don't get distracted with what more can I get the kids? Well, we got to get, we got to get something for the cousins. Why? Well, it's just expected. I hate it just because I have to. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on Him. And you know what? Then my old grinchy heart melts away. It gets three times bigger when I focus on the Lord. Amen? Amen. It's a difficult time. Some, of, some folks have, uh, have lost loved ones in the last year or two years or three years, and it's still, it's still a hard time. But the Lord is there for us. He's there with us. And if we focus on the real meaning of Christmas, and we focus on that this time of year, and not in all the, the, the extra stuff, man, we'll have an incredible time this year. Pastor Aaron, if you'll come forward. As I wrap this up, I just ask this, you know, what is Christmas really all about? Well, it's about a person, and it's that, that the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what, this, it's become, it's, it's a cliche, but it really is true. Jesus is the reason for the season. He's the reason for the season. Let's not lose sight of that. It's not for all the other things. It's this time of year as we celebrate. Folks, we do this to look pretty in here, but I like this better than anything else we do. I like that. Because it focuses on Him. It focuses on Him, on the Lord. It's about the pilgrimage that He took, the journey of Almighty God into history as a lowly man to become God with us. And it's about a purpose. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Today, Jesus calls us uh, to each of us. And he says this, Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Anybody a little stressed right now? Be honest. Anybody a little stressed? Okay. Come to him. Come to him. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your, for your souls. Man, focus on the Lord.
Make him first and foremost and, and preeminent in everything you do. And man, all the other stuff will be great if we do that right. I urge you not to turn away the one who loved you so much that he came to earth that first Christmas long ago to die for your sins. Come to him. Maybe this morning there's someone sitting here. And this morning you're going, Pastor, I, I've heard what you said. And, and I've heard what you talk about being a child of God, being a believer. You know, he died for me. I, I, but I, I, I've heard that. And, and I, I think maybe I, I might believe that in my head. But I don't know that I've ever really trusted Jesus as my Savior. I don't know if I've ever really put my faith in him. I want to invite you this morning. Here, here would be the, the worst tragedy is to hear about, again, this gift that God has offered you in his son, Jesus Christ. And we're here worshiping him in this time here at Christmas. And to walk away from here. From, from this place this morning, still lost. There's a gift. It's right there. He's offered it. I had a ticket to the Super Bowl and I offered it. And you went, eh, eh. How much, how much can I give you for it? No, you can't give me anything for it. Well, how much, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know, man. There must be some catch to it. No, no, the ticket's already been paid for. All you have to do is receive it. It's been offered. It's been paid for. The price is paid. You can't pay anything. All you can do is believe and receive it. And to reject that, why would you walk away from, from forgiveness of sin, the offer of peace with God and the peace of God? So this morning, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, in just a moment, we're going to have a song. We're, we're not even going to stand this morning. We're just going to, we're going to sit this morning. Pastor Aaron's going to lead our song. And um, I hope this will be a time I've shared. That there's a little bit of offer, altar space here. There's some, some chairs in the front if you want to come and, and bow down. But we want this to be a time where you really, you're talking to the Lord. Believer, maybe this is the time right this morning that we just reset the calibrations on our, our focus. We just, we just, we, we, we get settled back into true north. Jesus. Jesus. Focused on Him. Focused on Him. Maybe we just need to recalibrate a little bit this morning. Get our focus back on Him. Maybe we need just to, to, to apologize for, to the Lord for allowing other things to be a distraction and take, take away from Him this morning. So believer, now's a great time to just talk to the Lord wherever you are, whatever He is doing in your life. This would be a great time to talk to Him about that and, uh, and just refocusing on Him this morning. But if you, if you need the Lord, I invite you. When we sing here in just a moment, I, I'm going to ask for heads to be bowed and eyes to be closed. That's what we're going to do. It's a little different this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And if, and if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, but you'd like to know Him this morning, I'm going to ask you to step out and just come down here and meet me. And I'll, 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 I'll introduce you to the Lord this morning. I'll, I'll share with you what it means to be a believer, how you can become a believer this morning. Father, I pray you'll bless and move in this time now as we have this time of reflection, a time of response. And the invitation is extended, Lord. You extended the invitation 2,000 years ago. You rose from the dead. You won victory over death, hell, sin, and the grave. And you said if one would come and believe in me and put my, their faith in you, if we would call on you, we'd repent of our sin and put our faith in you, Lord Jesus, then, then we are born again. We're a new creation. We're a child of God. We, we have a, a, a home in heaven. We have a relationship with God. We have all these things. But it's because of what you did way back then. You extended that invitation. This morning we extend the invitation on your behalf, Lord, as ambassadors for you. And I plead, if you don't know Jesus, I pray you'll step out this morning and come down and let us share with you. Believer, what's God doing in your life? 
Lord, bless now in this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.